Well, good afternoon, Memorial Baptist friends and family, and welcome back to our midweek edition of our podcast for October 14th, 2020. I sincerely hope you're having a great week. Oh man, I can't believe it's already mid-October. This year has flown by in some ways, in other ways it's just dragged on, but I'm certainly looking forward to putting (laughs) 2020 behind me. Um, You know, we live in the greatest nation in the world. We have been blessed by Almighty God to live in the state of Texas, and we are blessed to have a great church family in Memorial Baptist Church. You know, last Sunday morning, I thoroughly enjoyed Brother John Webb teaching uh, about the Holy Spirit in our senior adult Bible study. Uh, We meet on campus each Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. for Bible study. And I hope all of our senior adults will come and and join us for this very inspiring time. Our college ministry also meets for Sunday school at 9.30. And uh, we invite all college students to come and be a part of that. Uh, Braden Tanner is doing a great job uh, leading that group. We also had a wonderful time of worship led by Macy and Kyle Tanner and our worship team. You know, attendance in our at our uh, in-person worship on campus has been uh, strong each Sunday. And I invite you to come and join us. Uh, what a wonderful time it is as we gather to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We begin at 1045 every Sunday morning in our worship center. We hope to see you soon. Last evening, our deacon body met and had some great discussions and prayer. Uh, The unity among our church body is amazing as God is leading us onward together. You know, with a unanimous decision from our deacons, we will be presenting our annual budget uh, for this next year, 2021, to our Memorial Baptist family for approval at our church conference this Sunday, October 18th, immediately following our morning worship. We'll be taking a step forward in faith to lead, excuse me, to lean into the direction of our Lord's leading. We are proposing adding two part-time positions and one full-time staff position. We are excited to see all that God desires to do through our church body. We're also planning to expand and reopen more of our Wednesday evening activities. We will be expanding our ministry offerings to include children's activities activities on Wednesday evening. Uh, We will also expand our meeting times from one hour uh, to 90 minutes on Wednesday evening. Uh, Going further into the future, uh, November 8th, we will be looking at expanding our Sunday school classes to include uh, children's classes and youth classes, as well as two two more adult classes, a median adult, uh, 35 to 60 years old, and a young adult, uh, 23 to 35 years old. So um, please pray for our staff and our teachers and our leaders as we continue to move forward in the grace that God allows. I encourage everyone to exercise their right to vote. We live in a wonderful country afforded to us by those who have given their lives for the freedom that we enjoy. 
and have gone before us, giving us an excellent example of what it means to live at peace with our fellow citizens. They've laid down some great footsteps that we indeed need to be following in. May Almighty God preserve our great nation. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Brother Jeff Watts and uh, Hannah Davis as they plan to be united in marriage uh, on this coming Saturday. And uh, what a blessing it will be to celebrate with them uh, this, this union that God has put together. So uh, be praying for them. What a, what a great blessing uh, for both of them. Uh, now, as we uh, move towards our study in Hebrews together, I would just ask that we could pray as we get ready to study together. Almighty God and everlasting Father, I want to thank you so much for loving us. With patience and mercy, you love us more than we deserve. You've put up with our rebellion. You've waited patiently for us to come before you with repentance and deep sorrow. Father, pour out your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, upon your people, that we might humble ourselves before you, seeking your face. I ask that you would draw men and women sons and daughters, unto yourself. May you send a great revival, a great awakening, and a holy revival all across this land. I lift up our church body to you, Lord, asking that you would unite us in your kingdom purposes. Fill us with your Holy Spirit as we seek to do your will. I ask that our missionaries around the world would have a hedge of protection placed around them by you and by your angels. I ask that they would gain traction with the people groups that they are endeavoring to reach with your gospel. I ask that you would fill them with hope. Bless them with people of peace to relate to and give them some fruit in their labors. Provide for their every need. And Lord, I ask that you would provide for some of their desires too. Help us, Father, to be obedient in the work that you call us to do. May we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. May we not shrink back from the hard tasks at hand but help us to delight in the hard task, knowing that our Lord did not shy away from the difficulty of the cross. May we endure for the benefit of those who are coming to Jesus Christ. Father, help us to give more, help us to do more, help us to be more for your kingdom than we ever thought possible. For with you, God, Nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible. Fill us with hope and faith and most of all love so that others will know the joy of having a Savior in Jesus Christ. I ask, Father, that you would be with all of our homebound, 
I pray that they would experience your presence with them as they endure these strange COVID circumstances. May we be an encouragement to each of them as we pray and lift them up, as we intercede, as we help provide for their needs, and most of all, as we see the day approaching. Come quickly, King Jesus. We wait expectantly on you, Lord. For we know that our Lord is able to do immeasurably more than we could think or ask according to his riches and glory. And we ask all of this in the mighty and precious name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So as, as we begin our study in Hebrews chapter 11, if you want to take your scripture out and open up to Hebrews chapter 11, a very thought-provoking question is, how long is time with God? Or another way of stating this is, can God ever wait too long? And this becomes a very practical question when we've asked God for something you know, in our prayer life, or we are claiming some promise, expecting God to to work. Often we think God is maybe too slow and that He ought to act, you know, at our whims. And we think, we may think that when God does not do something we want Him to do immediately, that He's lost track of time. Maybe... When we first make a prayer request to God, our confidence is is so great. And we wait a day, we wait a week, a month, and and still there's no answer. You know, has God forgotten? I mean, our spirit of anticipation begins to cool off to more of a spirit of frustration. And finally, we conclude that if He doesn't do something soon, it'll be too late. You know, out of pure frustration, we take the matter into our own hand and we try to do something that only God Himself can actually do. And maybe we, um, maybe when we have acted in this fleshly manner, instead of letting God work out the details, we find ourselves really doing some pretty stupid things. Has God forgotten? Has God let us down? No, we often must learn that God's time schedule is different from ours. We can only see one side of the situation, our side. Our perspective is very limited. And we only see the part and not the whole. Because we are finite when we are limited And we often do not understand what God is doing. See, when this limited perspective is combined with impatience, the only thing that can result is havoc. Questioning God's faithfulness, sovereignty, and power goes all the way back to to Adam and Eve. But it's clearly seen in the life of Sarah. Sarah was a super saint, because she made God's hall of fame, hall of faith, 
But she gained the reputation of being a woman of faith later in her life through one particular incident. Hebrews 11 is pointing out the highlights of faith in these various Old Testament believers. And the record purposely neglects their failures and shortcomings because it is stressing the positive aspects of their faith. Yes, they were human. Yes, they did sin. But we're talking about faith, their faith. However, unless we see the failures, we often have little appreciation for the the great acts of faith. See, the account of Sarah's life begins in Genesis 11, and it runs through Genesis 23. Little, if anything, would lead us to believe uh, in the intervening chapters in Genesis that Sarah was distinguished for her faith. She had saving faith, and she was undoubtedly saved around the same time that God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. And Sarah was submissive to her husband, and the Apostle Paul, excuse me, the Apostle Peter uses her as an example of holy womanhood. In 1 Peter 3, verses 5 and 6, Peter writes this, he says, For in this way... In former times, the holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. See, I believe that Sarah believed in God's promise to Abraham But much of her faith was due to Abraham's strong faith, which led her along. I would suggest to you that she left the land of Chaldea believing the promise, but her faith was weak, and she was motivated more by her husband's belief than maybe by her own. See, we we are going to see how this woman's faith was awakened by God in such a spectacular way that she was given a place in the accounts of the heroes and heroines of faith in the Old Testament. Notice first the willingness of Sarah's faith. Beginning in Hebrews, we're just going to read two verses today, Hebrews 11 and 12. Excuse, excuse me, Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 11 and 12. It starts out and it says, By faith... Even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life. You know, the very first words we read about Sarah are in Genesis 11, uh, verse 30. It says, And Sarai was barren. She had no child. This was a a great disappointment to Sarah because she knew that God had promised to Abraham, her husband, a great nation from his loins. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3 says this. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. 
And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Sarah was barren, and this great nation could never come into existence unless Abraham had a son. God gave the promise to Abraham, and Sarah undoubtedly knew about the promise because Abraham told her, but God never spoke to Sarah directly. The words, and will make you a great nation, must have rung in Sarah's ears. Sarah probably became initially excited about the promise made to to Abraham, and she saw that she had a definite part in the bringing forth of a great nation. She saw her role in that, and Sarah had a desire. It was a normal God-given desire, and one that most women have. She wanted to give her husband an heir, a son, to carry on the family name. Sarah wanted to please her husband by giving him a son that would be the fulfillment of God's covenant with Abraham. But she was barren. When she left Ur of the Chaldees to go to the promised land, she was about 65 years old. And she thought that it was still humanly possible for her to have a child at that age. She knew that God had promised to make a great nation out of Abraham. And God could not do it without her being the mother of the child. She undoubtedly thought that God will fulfill the the seed aspect of the covenant immediately because she was getting old fast. Sarah probably thought that she would get pregnant right away, but nothing happened even in their long delay in Haran before they ever got to the land of promise. Um, When they arrived in Canaan, the promised land, she probably said, now, okay, now, surely God will begin to keep his promise. Surely God will, will act. Surely I will have a son for Abraham. But you know what? There was no child. After Abraham had a great military victory in Canaan, God again appeared to him to promise him a child, a son. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 2 through 5, it says, And Abraham said, O Lord God, what wilt thou give me, since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abraham said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, The word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and he said, now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. You know, again, Sarah got her hopes up. When Abraham told her that God was going to keep his promise. But weeks passed by. Eventually, weeks became months, and months became years, and years became unbearable. She became frustrated and distressed and depressed because she was getting old and past the age of bearing a child. 
Maybe she reasoned like this, I'm getting older by the day. Doesn't God know that? Doesn't God know that every day that passes by cuts down the chances of Abraham having an heir? Why doesn't he act? He promised. Has God forgotten? If he doesn't do something soon, it's going to be too late. Finally, Sarah could bear it no longer. And she pushed the panic button. When Abraham was in Egypt, they picked up an Egyptian woman who was Sarah's servant. It was the custom in that day that if a woman could not have a child herself, her maid or servant could have one in her place and the child would be adopted into the family. All such children were regarded as true sons and full heirs. Sarah panicked, stopped trusting in God, turned to her own reasoning and took things into her own hands. She was determined to give Abraham a son And so she sent Hagar, her slave, her servant, to Abraham to bear him a son. In Genesis 16, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarai gave to Abram, excuse me, so Sarai said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children through her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. Folks, this was a tragic mistake. For Hagar conceived and brought forth Ishmael. Ishmael was a son of the flesh and not a son of the promise. God disciplined Abraham and Sarah for their unbelief by making Ishmael and his offspring fierce enemies of Isaac, the promised son of Abraham and Sarah. Ishmael, the father of the Arabs, has been against the Jews from that time until this very day. Fleshly acts of unbelief always get Christians into trouble for we become objects of God's loving discipline. Four years later, God appeared to Abraham again to give him a message concerning Sarah. In Genesis 17, verse 15 and 16, it says, Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, You shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and indeed, I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she will be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from her. (laughs) This must have shocked poor old Abraham, for he thought it was impossible for Sarah and him to have a child. I mean, furthermore, he thought that they had solved the problem humanly. But Sarah was to have a son. Abraham was filled with amazement and he laughed. Genesis 17, 17 says, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And he said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man a hundred years old? 
And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Abraham did not have a laugh of unbelief, but the laughter of excitement. It was the same kind of laugh any of us might have when we realize that God has done some supernatural work for us. You know, sometime later, God assured Abraham that he would have a son, and he sent him to Sarah. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. This is found in Genesis 18, verse 9 and 10. And Sarah and Abraham were old. She was 90. He was 100. They had waited 25 years. And now they concluded it was impossible for them to have a child. Sarah heard the conversation between God and Abraham because she was secretly listening in the tent. And when she heard these words, she laughed. But Sarah's laugh was different from Abraham's. Her laugh was the laugh of unbelief. She doubted. She did not believe that God could do it. It had been too long. It was a biological impossibility. She just thought that she could never get pregnant and had a big laugh over the whole matter. In Genesis 18, 12, it says, And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. See, God then spoke to Abraham about Sarah's laugh of unbelief. And Abraham confronted Sarah, and she denied that she did it. In verses 13 of Genesis 18, it says this, And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am old? Is anything too difficult, too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. At this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Sarah denied it, however, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. She lied because she was afraid of God and Abraham. Folks, it never pays to lie. We might lie to others, but we cannot lie without God knowing about it and without taking definite action against us. From this point on, Sarah believed God. Her faith was awakened, and she brought forth a son. Finally, the child of promise came, and they named him Isaac, which means laughter. And then Sarah laughed again with the laugh of amazement and belief. Genesis 21. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. (laughs) Now in Hebrews 11, verse 11 goes on. It says, since she considered him faithful who had promised. You know, God waited 25 years before he gave the fulfillment of the promise to Sarah. The big question is why? 
Why? Because God had many lessons to teach Sarah. I mean, what are these lessons? What were these lessons? And first, she learned patience. Something about the faithfulness of God. She understood and grasped for the first time that God is faithful to fulfill His promises. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. What an amazing promise. God is faithful to fulfill His promises. Second, she learned something about faith. Her initial doubt gave way to faith. This faith came after God repeatedly revealed Himself to Abraham, and Sarah learned by repeated declarations of God's promise. Third, God's overall purpose for this waiting was to teach Sarah and Abraham about the power of God. The purpose is expressed in the rebuke of Sarah by Abraham in chapter 18 of Genesis, verse 14. When Abraham said, is anything too difficult, too hard for the Lord? Absolutely nothing is too hard for the Lord. God can and does do the impossible when he promises to do so. See, faith is crucial if we're going to see God at work in our lives. God promised a son to Sarah for Abraham, but the conception and the birth of that son would have never come about apart from Sarah's faith. Faith is the means whereby we believe God and see Him work in our lives. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, It is impossible to please God. The Christian scholar Barclay, he puts the concept of faith into good words. He says, people spend the greater part of their lives putting limitations on the power of God. Faith is the ability to lay hold of that strength, which is made perfect in our weakness, that grace which is sufficient for all things in such a way that the things which are humanly impossible become divinely possible. With God, all things are possible, and therefore the word impossible is a word which should have no place in the vocabulary of the Christian or of Christ's bride, the church. Let's look briefly now at the fruit of Sarah's faith. Hebrews 11 verse 12 says, Therefore also there was born of, a, of one man and him as good as dead at that. <laughs> okay, the point here is that Abraham was also unable to procreate. But God did the impossible. But God, we could just stop right there, but God, He worked a miracle. You know, in Romans 4, verse 16 and following, it says this, it says, For this reason, 
it is by faith that it might be in accordance with grace, in order that the promise may be certain to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. In the sight of him who he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. In hope against hope, he believed in order that he might become a father of many nations. According to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. And without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Wow. Both Abraham and Sarah had faith in God's promise, and without that faith, they would have never had a son. Both Abraham and Sarah had faith. It is important that both the husband and wife have faith in God. The woman must have her own faith and not lean on her husband. Husband and wife should work together, pray together, and make their decisions together. Even Sarah had to believe. And a Christian marriage is not healthy if there is not a believing wife. And as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Oh, Abraham's and Sarah's belief in the promise of God brought great fruit. For from them has come all physical Jews and all true believers, whether Jew or Gentile, who have believed in Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. It says, therefore, and faith always produces a therefore. Sow the seed of faith, and you will have a blessed harvest. Faith will not be stopped. Faith will always get results. Faith can take that which is as good as dead and bring so much life that it will be like the stars in the heavens and the sand by the seashore in number. Faith can produce much from a most unlikely candidate. We may have failed miserably in the past, but faith can make the difference and give us victory for God. It's like our great hymn. It says, have faith in God when your pathway is lonely. He sees and knows all the way you have trod. Never alone are the least of his children. Have faith in God. Have faith in God.
Have faith in God when your prayers are unanswered. Your earnest plea he will never forget. Wait on the Lord, trust his word, and be patient. Have faith in God. He'll answer yet. Have faith in God, though all else fail about you. Have faith in God. He provides for His own. He cannot fail, though all kingdoms shall perish. He rules. He reigns upon His throne. Have faith in God. He's on His throne. (laughs) Have faith in God. He watches o'er His own. He cannot fail. He must prevail. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Who knows what God might do with any of us if we begin to take His promises in the Bible seriously. By faith, we can do wonders. And without faith, we can do nothing. As I wrap this up, I just want to thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to continue our study next week in Hebrews 11. And we'll pick up in verse 13 and move on from there. So until then, I I hope that you stay safe and enjoy God's creation. Get out and get some fresh air if you can. You know, God, our God is an awesome God and worthy of our praise. I hope to see you soon. This is Ridge Adams from Memorial Baptist Church in Temple, Texas. May God bless you as you continue to seek His face.